What a privilege to be back with you here at Faith Doma Fellowship. I was here, I don't know when it was, several weeks ago, months ago now, long time ago, months ago, long time ago. So if you're here for the first time and you've never heard uh, Bishop Quinones preach, you need to come back, all right? So, But it is a privilege to be with you, and uh, uh, I stand with the pastors of this church along with the bishop. Uh, many of us with Key Life Men on Tuesday morning are here. Uh, of course, your own John Casanova and uh, Troy Furman and my son in the back row, Joel Allenson and Derek Fritchie and Lucas McCurdy. Uh, we are here and we stand with the bishop who helps us <clears throat> as we seek to reach out to men in our area. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here. We stand with you. And what a pri- My wife and I often get a chance to worship with you. We sneak in here and uh, not always. So some weekends we're gone out of town. I'm preaching other places, but we see this as a home away from home and what a privilege to worship with you and, and to be accepted by you. And uh, so we appreciate so much Bishop Quinones, but the other pastors too, Pastor Robert, Pastor Chad, Pastor Aldo, and I'm going to be uh, talking about them as we get going. I was talking to Pastor Aldo before the service. I said, you look sharp. He says, only on days ending in Y. Is that a typical, typical Pastor Aldo comment, huh? You know, I, I love the preaching here, but I will come just for the announcements, too. It is tough, right? It is awesome. Well, we're going to look into God's Word, and our text is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and I, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder, Bishop, because we have had a great exposition through the book of Ephesians, haven't we? Hasn't it been great? Uh, and I love it when we teach through books of the Bible because uh, that is one of the great helps that we need as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to get the whole counsel of God. And when you preach through a whole book, a pastor can't just preach what he likes to preach. He has to preach the whole counsel of God. He has to preach what's there in the text. And Because uh, if you're like me, you underline, underline in your Bible. And I, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I underline them. I, come, I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the things I underline, the gospel according to Pete. I like the things that I like in the Bible, but I need to hear the things that I don't always want to hear. I need to be convicted, and when you preach through a book, that's what you do, and it's been great. So I'm going to steal your thunder uh, today as we can, can continue, sort of, uh, in your text. I'm jumping ahead. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 is our text. This is God's holy word. It's going to be up here behind me as I read it. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, buried with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. 
in saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had all, but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You've got that all memorized now, right? 16 verses. Wow, that's a lot. But uh, there's a lot of good, uh, of good thinking and teaching in here. I have three points for you, but we've been set up perfectly by the worship today. The worship focused on the glory of Christ and the glorious church of Jesus Christ. You are the glorious church of Jesus Christ. And he is the Lord of glory. So I've got three points from this long text. There is one body. Secondly, there is one Lord. Thirdly, there is, are many shepherds. There's one body, one Lord, many shepherds. And that comes from this text today. And so let's unpack it together. Because as we come to this part of the Apostle Paul's letter, in the second half of his letters, usually he tells us more and more and more about the implications of the gospel. In the first part of his letters, he tells us what the gospel is. And he expands on them. And then in the second part of his letters, he tells us the so what of the letters, the implication of the letters. And, in, and this church, this book has been talking about the church of Jesus Christ, hasn't it? You've been teaching us week after, I haven't made all the sermons, but, but you've been teaching us through as Paul unpacks the church of Jesus Christ and what that is all about. And, and in the first part, in the gospel, what is the good news well, we've, we've seen it illustrated in communion this morning, that God poured out, God is holy. Boy, we sang about that today too, didn't we? God is holier than we could ever imagine. His standard, who he is, there's not a standard outside God, he is the standard. And so the Bible has a difficult time talking about the holiness, the apartness, the glory of God. And so it says God is holy, holy, holy. That's the Hebrew way of bringing up this idea by repetition of the greatness and the transcendence of God. And he's holy. He is the standard of perfection and righteousness. And we have fallen short of that glory, haven't we, the Bible says. All of us. Everyone in this room. And so the, the bad news of the gospel is that we're all sinners. The good news is that Jesus has become our substitute on the cross. And that's what we celebrated here. He took our curse for us. He set us free. He's made us children, daughters and sons of the God of the universe. Brothers and sisters, that is a glorious thing. 
You are a part of the work of the Lord of glory, and he's not angry at you anymore. God can't be angry at you because he poured out all of his anger on, on Jesus on the cross. And so if you are his child, you are his beloved child. He delights in you. He loves you. He's available to you. You are his church. And so he tells us about the church. Now he gets practical about the church, and he tells us in this text, there is one body. There is one church, one body of Christ. Look at these verses again. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What's that calling to which we've been called? We have been called as the part of the glorious church, daughters and sons of the king. And so he urges us to walk in one way uh, toward each other, and we'll talk about that in a minute. He says in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, but grace was given to each of us accordingly. And then he goes on in verses 7 and 10, talks about the spiritual gifts. One thing I love about this church is that we see the spiritual gifts manifested. You guys serve in different ways, gifts of service and teaching uh, and helps. All of you, so many different spiritual gifts here. And uh, Paul here is in a Roman prison, but he's talking to the new people of God, the church. In the Old Testament, the people of God were called what? Who were they? They were the Jews, weren't they? In the New Testament time, we see that the people of God consists of, he's already taught us this, in chapter 1 and 2. Uh, in Ephesians, we, we've, we see that the church of Jesus Christ is not just Jews anymore, but what's included in the body of Christ. What kind of people? Gentiles too. Isn't it awesome that the church of Jesus Christ has been, has been gloriously expanded beyond just the Jews in the Old Testament? See, that was wild. And today we forget that. That was almost scandalous for the first Christians to think that Gentiles could be led into the church. By the way, do we have anybody from a Jewish background here? Anybody? You never know. All right. So we're all Gentiles. All of us. Look around. We got ethnic diversity here, right? Pretty significant. You know what we have in common? We're all Gentiles. All of us. All outside Israel. And yet, God, aren't you glad God brought us into this thing? Hallelujah. I am so glad. I am so glad I'm a part of the body of Christ. It's the glorious people of God, and he has included us in this body. But this was his plan from the very beginning, wasn't it? Go back to Genesis chapter 12, and you'll remember that God made a gracious covenant with the people of Israel. Oh, they weren't the people of Israel yet. Their only spokesman was Abraham. But remember when he spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and in verse 3 he says, all the peoples of the world will be blessed through you, Abraham, and your descendants, and Abraham's descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus is the Messiah, the descendant of all of that. And so God had from the very beginning this plan to bless all the nations of the world through the Jews. And he has done it. We are in this glorious body. There's nothing like the church on the planet. People of every tribe, nation, language, tongue, everything, and we're, in one, and we're in the people of, there's one body brought together by Jesus. And today we're just a bunch of Gentiles all gathered together here in this place. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that. This is God. And we're in this body by grace. This is a grace church, isn't it? And you understand that we're not saved by works. You understand and you get it that this thing is grace. Great, you know what a good definition of grace I like to use is this. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve, particularly when there's evidence that we deserve the opposite. Right? That's grace. Grace is favor that's bestowed upon us, not because we're good looking, you're good looking. Not because you're musically talented, you're musically talented. Although I wish your worship was a little bit more energetic, frankly. <laughs> I'm a Presbyterian for crying out loud. I can't get my hands above my waist just about. I struggle with that. You're musically talented. You're talented in many ways. The bottom line, though, is that we're in this one body by God's grace. And I have a new illustration of that grace that God has given to me. I want to share it with you as a personal illustration. And I can confess my sins at the same time as tell you this illustration of mercy and grace. I was going to, to speak in South Florida not too long ago. And I stopped by my son's house to see my, my brand new, his brand new baby, uh, Maggie, who is my first grandchild. And we got another one on the way. Oh, it's awesome. Awesome. She's precious. She loves me. She knows who I am. She, she's got a good taste in grandfathers. But, uh, but I had to see her before I went down to speak. And so I, I'm, I'm on, I, I go by Joel's house out in Chuliota. And then I, I'm late getting on the road to be, I have to start speaking at 630 on a Friday night down in St. Lucie County. I got to be on this. So I'm headed down I-95 in my truck going as fast as I can, not looking at the speedometer because I'm late. And I'm going as fast as I can. And, and listening, I'm singing praise music. <laughs> Breaking the law. At the same time, and as I'm I headed down and I go over this, over this rise, and as I start to go over that rise, there's a guy standing behind a little deal like that. And I can just, I can read his mouth, black F-150. I come down on the rise, and there it's like Christmas lights down there. There's like 12, 13, 14 deputy sheriffs, and they're pulling red, white, and blue lights, Christmas. It's green and everything. And so I just, you know, I just pull over, get in the center lane, and the officer pulls him back at me, and then he flicks his lights on. I get over to the side, and he, uh, he comes up, sir, can I see your license? You know the routine. You know the, some of you know the routine. And <laughs> some of you know the routine multiple times, and... Uh, uh, so I'd like me, and so he comes up, and I say, "Yes, my license is in that box, right next to my pistol." I know, I know. You have to forgive me. I have a permit to carry, and you know, I had I had it there. I was on the road for crying out loud. <laughs> he says, uh, "So he stops. He calls for backup. You know, <laughs> calls for backup." And sir, would you please step out? And I hand him all the stuff, and. He comes back a few minutes later, and he goes, uh, okay, uh, oh, did I tell you guys that it was a construction zone? Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Sir, we are tar we're, we're ticketing everybody who's going 90 miles an hour today. You were going 89 And he gave me a warning. 
I was going to serve Jesus down there, you know. Have you, do you know anybody that's received a warning for going 89 miles an hour in a construction zone? Neither do I. What did I deserve? Jail. <laughs> what did I get? Mercy. An abundance. And a warning. I'm keeping this until Jesus comes back and I'm going to show it to him. Ladies and gentlemen, that's grace, right? You and I are in this body by what? Grace. Because none of us deserves it. And what a wonderful thing it is for us to be in the body of Christ and experience God's incredible grace. And that's why this is a glorious body. Made glorious by the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, who did everything, his all-sufficient work for us. We can't add anything to his work, can we? And that's why in the body of Christ, he gives gifts to you and to me. And we use these gifts as he's called us to use them. And that's why also we are very careful about how we relate to one another in the body of Christ. We try to be very careful how we relate to one another, right? That's, that's why he says, he says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, we might call those the five essentials of unity. Humility toward one another, gentleness, patience, bearing with one. You know what bearing with one another? You know what that means in the original Greek? It means putting up with each other. Um, it, it means maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit brings a unity to the church. Our job is to try to keep it intact. We appreciate our pastors. Big time. And as we relate to one another, and by the way, I don't always, I'm not always this way. Um, I, I, I got a, I was, I said, you know, Jason, I said, Pastor, brother, you're 100% Puerto Rican. I got a quarter Venezuelan. <laughs> he accepts me anyways. And that quarter Venezuelan loses its temper sometimes. The rest of me most not, but it's that. <laughs> when, when we see the glory of the church... And when we relate to one another in this way, we appreciate our pastors in a big way. Because we realize that they have not been called to be hockey coaches or judges on the ice to break up our fights. Their role is different than that. To see the glory of the church. Do you know that in the United States, 1,500 pastors a month leave the ministry? Um, that 80% of ministry families feel that the ministry has been hazardous to their health. Why is that? Conflict. There's more conflict in the church than we could ever, not this church. <laughs> and not the church I served. But, the ch but other church, there's, part of the conflict in the church is due to the fact that we need to, re we don't relate this way, but we need to relate to this way. Because there is one body, and it's a glorious body, isn't it? 
And, and by God's grace, we can relate together in this way. There's one other aspect of this one body, and that is there are many different franchises in the body, many different denominations. And, and I love that you are a part of the, the pastoral gathering once a month in Oviedo. And there are Presbyterians in that group. <laughs> non-denominational, other non-denom churches, right? There are even Baptists in that church, in that group. You hang out with all kinds of non-reputable pastors. <laughs> but the body of Christ is bigger than just us, isn't it? There's one body. And in this day and age, it's so important for us as God's people to hang together. And you said it this morning, around Christ, around Jesus. He is our unity, where we have some differences of opinion on different subjects. In the Bible, we're all trying to know the Word of God, aren't we? But we must hang together around Jesus as we study the scriptures together and learn from one another. Because the body is glorious, and as Paul teaches, there is one body. Secondly, I want you to note that there is only one Lord. In fact, there's only one body because there's only one Lord, right? Look at the scripture again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One, let's say it together, one, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And surely the focus of these verses is that there is one Lord of the church. There is one who is the head of the church, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we have been talking about now. If you read back, we go back to Ephesians chapter 1. It's powerful because in Ephesians chapter 1, the bishop taught us that that Trinitarian benediction or blessing or prayer at the beginning in which we find that all members of the Trinity are involved in our salvation. There is, the Bible teaches a Trinitarian creation, right? Well, the Bible also, I know, I know, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm doing the best I can. That's okay. I mean, you know, all right. One day she'll appreciate. Can we record this and give it to the... <laughs> there is, in the Bible, a clear teaching about the fact that all members of the Trinity are involved in creation. In Ephesians 1, all members of the Trinity are involved in our redemption. Isn't that incredible? Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to look at this, but Ephesians 1, verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And, and then you dealt with some of those tough words, like the fact that he lavished, he predestined us. Well, that's a tough concept, but it's a biblical concept. It's there. And, 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 and that we are in the beloved, and we have redemption in the blood of Christ. Then he goes on, yeah, talking about Christ, what Christ did. So God the Father calls us. Christ redeems us. The Holy Spirit, what does he do? Seals us, holds us, keeps us. But the head of the church is Jesus Christ. There is one body, and because there's one body, because there's only one Lord, one head of the church, and this church is around that one Lord. There is, the word only sticks out a lot. There's only one Savior of the world. There is only one God-man. There is only one who is perfectly human, perfectly God, who has taken our sin, who is qualified to be our substitute on the cross, right? There's only one. There is only one perfectly human uh, and, 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 and divine God. There's only one who understands the weakness of our flesh. There's only one who has been tempted in the ways that we have been tempted, yet without sin. His name is Jesus. 
There's only one who knows our intentions when we wanted to do good and we didn't do good and we failed. There's only one who can pick us up when we fall. Um, there's only one who, who knows the intense temptation that we feel who experienced temptation greater than us. You read Matthew 4 and the temptations with Jesus and Satan, and you look at it and you say, well, Jesus was God. He could handle that. Ladies and gentlemen, 40 days of intense, straight-on, demonic temptation. He knows your temptation. He knows my temptation. Intensely, more than we ever will experience temptation, Jesus understands temptation. There's only one who can heal the sick, only one who could make a dead man get up and walk, only one who could heal somebody of leprosy, there's only one who could look at a woman and know that she had an internal hemorrhage and heal her on the spot. There's only one that could do that. There is only one who can read minds, who knows the motivations of our heart. There's only one who makes, are you listen, who makes perfect decisions 100% of the time. And his name is Jesus. In short, there's only one Lord of the church. He didn't call the disciples to be disciples and later apostles because they were perfect. He called them because they were his. And as we think of this pastor's appreciation day, how important it is to understand there is one Lord. And I love these guys, these pastors, but they're not the Lord. And you want to appreciate them? Don't treat them like the Lord. Don't demand of them to be the Lord. Don't demand that they be more available to you than they can be as human beings. I love it when people used to say to me, you know, Pastor, would you pray for me because God hears your prayers more than he hears mine? <laughs> I would say, of course, you're right. Uh, no. No. Um, in, on this day, we remember that the reality is, is that we need to run to the Lord to be the Lord. And we go to our pastors for guidance and leadership, and that's my next point. But, but we got to remember on this Pastor's Appreciation Day that there's one body and one Lord, and we appreciate our pastors best when we treat them as their role really is, not what they cannot possibly be to us. And that is perfect 100% of the time. Ah, it's a freedom. Uh, one time I had a guy come to me in church and say, you know, um, you say you're not perfect, and, and I know it's true. <laughs> uh, it was freedom. It was freedom. This text teaches about the glorious church of Jesus Christ. There is one what? Body. One Lord. But there are many, thirdly, many shepherds. Let's take a look at that real quick here. And he gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ till we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and womanhood. And so it's important to understand that because Jesus is absolutely wild about you, he gives you many shepherds. 
Why? Because he does want to lead you properly and love you properly and teach you properly and equip you properly. But there is no way that you and I in the church can be led with just one shepherd. We have to have many shepherds. And it's so important that we understand that there are many shepherds and teachers given. The word here, shepherd, is the, is the word poimain in the original language. I said that for you. Uh, and the original, just so you know, I look in the original languages. Uh, it's there in the original languages. Uh, shepherd, but it means pastors, doesn't it? There are many pastors and teachers. And of course, in the church, we know that pastors are also called elders, not because they're presbyteroi, for instance. By the way, just so you know, Presbyterians, that word is in the Bible. Um, elders are called, uh, are, are, are the presbyteroi, they're the elders too. They're pastors and teachers. They're also called overseers. Or episcopoi, from which we get the word bishop. And so not all pastors, uh, not, not, all, not all teachers in the church are pastors in the church, but all pastors in the church have a teaching role because their job is to equip us, to train us, to develop us. And I, and I love that, and it's so important to understand that, that this is in the plural. They're equippers. They're not the one to do all of the ministry. Remember he, he talked about the spiritual gifts? That everybody gets spiritual gifts, but there are some who are called pastor teachers who are given the gift to equip, and their job is to equip us so we can use our gifts, right, in the body of Christ. What a powerful thing and how important it is that we understand that there are many. Does Jesus, let me ask you this. Does Jesus lead his church today? Does he govern it? Of course, you have to say yes, uh, right? Because that's one of those. If you're in Sunday school and the teacher says, what's furry and has a bushy tail uh, and climbs trees, you're in Sunday school and, of course, you want to say, you want to say a squirrel, but you know it's Sunday school, so you say, I guess the answer must be Jesus. Uh, the answer is always Jesus in Sunday school. But the reality is, when I ask that question, does Jesus govern the church? The answer is yes. And he does it in three major ways. He governs, he leads his church today through the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, the ordinances, which you celebrate here, which you fence those, the table very well. Prepare us for that. Does he govern? And he governs us secondly through the word of God as it is taught. But he also governs us and leads us through the duly authorized, ordained leadership that is in place. That's how he governs his church today. Jesus is very hands-on. And that's why he gives the church many, many leaders in the church. And this is important to understand today, that the, the job of our shepherds is to lead us to Jesus because we have been conditioned in America at the beginning of the 21st century to expect that our leaders are here to give us stuff. I remember a time businesses, you know, when businesses wouldn't, uh, you had to take an item back to the store to return it. And, uh, and you didn't know if you were going to, any of you old, as old as me and remember that day, where you take something back to a to store and they might not take it back. Now what do they do? You take something back with a receipt. You, it's been opened. You wore it twice. <laughs> what do they do, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters? They take it back because businesses are here for us. 
How many times do we hear about politicians saying, you elect me and I will give you all what you want? Preachers on TV. What, are we, what have we been conditioned at by this point in history? You send money to me and I'll take care of you. And it's a temptation to lead, to think of our pastors in that way. Sort of like this. Pastor, what have you done for me lately? But pastors are equippers. They're not here to do it all or to provide it all or to give it all. They're here to equip us, to lead us to Jesus so that, because there's only one body and one Lord. And there's only one who is absolutely sovereign who can meet all our needs. And his name is Jesus. And that's why we've been given many shepherds, because we need them to lead us to Jesus. Here's another implication in this. This means that we have to train leaders, don't we? That in the body of Christ, and I, you know what? You guys, you guys are going to expand here in Oviedo, and I believe it's going to happen. You're thinking ahead. You're moving ahead. You've been planning this for a long time, and I hope your ministry continues to grow. I'm be praying about that. I have been praying about that for wise decision-making. But in order for your church to expand in its outreach to those who don't know Jesus and to those who have come to Jesus and need to be raised up in Jesus, what do we need? We need more leaders. And so what I love about Faith Home is that you've got in place, you're just about ready to put in place, you've been putting in place a process to train leaders, to train more shepherds, to train more leaders, teachers. Because that has to be there for the kingdom to advance and to move on as we go into the future. We have great pastors at Faith Dome, don't we? Wow. I love these guys. Pastor Chad was walking with two of his kids and one in each arm for the service. It was awesome, man. I said, these are both yours? How many do you have? Four. Awesome. Pastor Robert, who I met, first of all, I'm not messing him. He's a big guy. I love this guy. I love his heart. He's a big man. He's a strong man. He loves Jesus. Pastor Aldo, number two on the way. Five more, right? The Lord is not in that. I stand with you guys in the bishop. And I think you know I love the bishop. And I stand with him. I'm here to get your back. I want to tell you a couple things about your bishop. He's a gifted teacher. He digs deep into the word of God. And there are things he says to you that I hear that I know he's done the spade work and he, he's been digging. He didn't just get up here and throw a message together. I wouldn't come back if he just threw a message together. He digs deep, and it shows in the commentaries that he's read and the things that he says. He's, he's a gifted teacher. He has the calling and the gifts to be a pastor teacher, and the Spirit of God is on him. Secondly, I want you to know he's a leader, too. Only 4% of all pastors out there say they have the gift of leadership. But the essence of leadership is the ability to influence and move ahead, and he's got that gift. He's mature, and he's maturing. He's not a novice. Twelfth year here, 15 years in ministry. That is not a novice. 
no pastor I know, including myself, fulfills perfectly the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. That's the qualification. There, there you'll find the qualifications for pastor. But he is mature and maturing, and the elements are in that. He's got all the elements, guys. And it's very important for me to see that. There is fire in his belly and humility in his heart. And that's an important mix. An important mix. He's committed to doing what Jesus set out to do. Build disciples, extend the kingdom, and all the pastors are on deck with that. He's not here to play church. We don't need any more play churches. We're here to extend the kingdom. He's committed to family. I tell you, I said, hey, we need to get together. Can we get together this Friday? He goes, no. I go, why not? He goes, because it's summer, and that's my day for my daughter. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> then this last Tuesday, he's supposed to be the MC at Key Life Men on Tuesday mornings. I can't be there. Why? Got to take my wife to the airport. Really? You love your wife more than Jesus. <laughs> Both times, did he do the right thing by shutting me down? Absolutely he did. He's pro-family. And that is one of the major qualifications for leadership in the church of Jesus Christ. He's committed to worship. Like I said, I wish it was a little uh, more energetic here. Jesus is center in this worship. All the elements of the church. Are, I'm just kidding about that, by the way, in case you wonder, all right? Uh, this is good, does good for this old Presbyterian. All the elements of the church that are supposed to be in the church, worship, learning, fellowship, service, and outreach, are in this church. This is a, this is a legit church. And you got a great future. I'm going to charge you real quick. Number one, spend, spend plenty of time with Jesus, man, because we need you to be so full of Jesus that it overflows into our life. We need you to minister out of the overflow. You could be so busy. Shut people like me down when you need to, to do the right thing, because you got to be with Jesus so that you minister out of the overflow of what he's taught you to us. Continue to develop the leaders around you that, that support you and support the vision of the church. Continue to do that, man. Multiply yourself. You have so much to give. Think big. Attempt great things from God. Expect great things from God. Don't think small. Anybody can think small. You guys have great future here. As you build people, continue to build men. The thing I like about the pastors of this church is that they are men's men. And by that, I say that all in positive ways. They're using their strength. They're using their strength for the good of others. Could I, could I, would it be all right if I just asked the pastors to come forward? Bishop, you and your men, would you stand over here? Pastor Robert, Pastor Chad, Pastor Aldo. Come stand right here. Okay. I don't want to point this out, but I noticed that, Bishop, you're the only one without a tie today. <laughs> Maybe that was because he was playing 
back here doing something I couldn't possibly do. Let's pray. Father, God, you are, you are the glorious God of the universe. Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of the church, of this church. Holy Spirit, you are the one that has taken the very work of Christ accomplished on the cross and put it on our hearts and put it in our hearts and drew us into the body of Christ. So we praise you, the triune God, for being the God of our creation, but also the God of our redemption. And being the God who has called this church into being and raised up these men to be in unity, working together to extend your kingdom, not theirs. So I pray for Bishop, for Pastor Robert, for Pastor Aldo, for Pastor Chad, and pray that you would fill them with your spirit in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, they may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the height and depth and breadth and length and to know the love of Christ, that they might be filled up to all the fullness of God and because of that, be able to pour out that fullness to this wonderful, glorious body. Lord, would you bless this team? Would you bless this church? Would you bring many, many more people to faith in Christ in the years to come because of this dynamic body. And now, Lord, we come to you and we commit them afresh to you as we commit our hearts to love each other in humility and patience and gentleness and kindness, all, all because of your great love, Lord Jesus, which you have given to us as we pray these things as a church in your strong and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's thank these guys again. Yes.